all right so hello everybody uh, welcome to the another seminar for the serious seminar series today we have with us debajyoti das debajyoti is a, a third year phd student here at purdue uh, who works on formalizing privacy properties uh, and today he is going to present uh, us his uh, up upcoming paper uh, from IEEE Security and Privacy 2018 and the title for the talk is Anonymity Trilemma Strong Anonymity Low Bandwidth Overhead and Low Latency Choose to Thanks for the nice introduction uh, probably you might be thinking what does uh, this sentence even mean so let's understand uh, this step by step first uh, let us understand what anonymity is so Anonymity is uh, a state of being uh, not identified uh, within a set of subjects or individuals. Uh, you are suppose you are a whistleblower or you are a journalist. You want to publish some uh, sensitive uh, data or information or your views uh, to the public, but you don't want to uh, let people know that you are the one who uh, published those information uh, to avoid sometimes uh, probably any harm that may come to you because of that. Uh, or uh, any government uh, pressure or such kind of things so then uh, we uh, having that uh, property we are calling that anonymity privacy uh, we also we many times we talk about uh, privacy but privacy is not same as anonymity but i would say uh, anonymity is a tool to maintain privacy sometimes suppose you are a uh, you are using chase bank so you don't want uh, people to know how much money you have uh, but uh, you are, you don't mind people knowing that you are uh, having an account in chase bank so that is not anonymity that is a secrecy of your, your information anonymity in uh, in case of anonymity you don't want to people you don't want people to know that uh, you are doing something or you are talking to some person so privacy is not same as anonymity but uh, uh, it, it is basically anonymity is a tool to maintain privacy uh, let's take an example uh, suppose alice wants to send a message to bob some secret information to bob over the internet but uh, alice doesn't want uh, anyone in the internet to know that uh, uh, she is talking to bob or even alice doesn't want bob to know that uh, it's alice who is talking to bob so she is treating uh, the internet as well as bob as adversary so because anyone in the internet can observe so that's why she wants to hide behind traffic of other people so basically here the identity of the sender is not revealed to the to anyone in the internet or to bob so we are calling it sender anonymity there are other forms of anonymity as well but for this talk we are going to focus on uh, sender anonymity uh, there are uh, many protocols uh, that are proposed to uh, achieve anonymity the most prominent example might be tor or onion routing it is one of the most used protocols uh, let's take a uh, look at how it works suppose alice wants to send a message to bob to send a message to bob alice doesn't directly send a message to bob instead she uses uh, some intermediate uh, servers or nodes we are calling them tor nodes so for example here alice uh, is using three tor nodes uh, node 1 node 2 and node 3 so what alice does first uh, alice uh, sends a message to node 1 but not uh, in a simplified uh, just the message but 
in onion encrypted fashion for example alice has the message first alice encrypts the message uh, such that uh, the message can only be decrypted by node 3 then alice adds uh, one more layer which layer can be decrypted by node 2 and then alice adds another layer which layer can be decrypted only by node 1 then alice passes this message to node 1 and node 1 can only remove the outer layer and so node 1 decrypts the first layer and pass on the message to node 2 node 2 removes the next layer and pass on the message to node 3 and node 3 finally removes the uh, last layer and pass on the plain text message to bob and the expectation is that there are many users in the system and there are so there are many messages and it's really difficult to track all the uh, paths and hopefully you get an, you will get anonymity but it in practical uh, in many cases it uh, it is seen that anonymity is not achieved by tor uh, in case of a really powerful adversary for example if the adversary can uh, monitor the traffic coming into node 1 and the traffic coming out of node 3 then the adversary can correlate the time when the messages are coming in and the correlate uh, the message, uh, messages when they are coming going out and they can uh, identify if alice is talking to bob or alice is talking to someone else and or who is talking to whom using this timing correlation so basically tor is not secure against traffic analysis attacks even though tor uh, is really efficient in terms of uh, latency overhead or bandwidth overhead if you can see there are only three hops so the latency overhead uh, is around uh, constant and the bandwidth overhead is uh, almost none so we move on to another protocol which is uh, which we call mixnet the mixnet also uh, works in the same way but uh, with some uh, additional features alice wants to send a message to bob Alice uses three intermediate nodes or servers, and encrypts the message uh, in Onion encrypted way in layer encryption. But the server one doesn't just uh, forwards the message one whenever it gets the message; it waits for a threshold number of messages from uh, several users, so that when no, uh, node one receives all the messages, it can actually decrypt the first layer. and shuffles the messages and then forward the messages to node 2 then node 2 again in the same way shuffles the messages and forwards the messages to node 3 and then node through node 3 finally delivers the messages to the intended recipients so here we can see that uh, for uh, to provide anonymity the node 1 requires many messages or messages from many users so the node 1 has to wait for several messages and that in, uh, adds a latency overhead so mixnets can provide anonymity at the cost of latency overhead even though as long as there is at least one honest node uh, in the path so if there are not enough users then what node one can do or then what the protocol can do they will just uh, add fake users or add fake messages as noise messages and then for, forward the messages in that case it increases it adds bandwidth overhead instead of latency overhead so the next protocol that we want to see is dcnet 
let's take a very simple example of DCNet, uh, where there are three users, user A, user B, and user C. For example, uh, let's uh, suppose those three users went to a pub and uh, they want to pay the bill, and they one of them wants to, needs to pay the bill, but he he wants to be anonymous. He want, doesn't want other people to know that he wants to pay the bill. So what they do is uh, first A tosses a coin and uh, shares the uh, outcome with the with B. B tosses a coin shares the outcome with C and C tosses a coin and shares the outcome with A. Suppose none of them have decided to pay. Then what will happen? A will output the XOR of the two edges uh, connected to him. B will output the XOR of, uh, of the two edges connected to him. And C will output the XOR of the two edges connected to him. If you XOR all the three outputs, the output will be zero. So they realized that uh, none of us are, uh, have decided to pay. But suppose A decided decides to pay. Again, in the same way, A tosses a coin and shares it uh, with B. B tosses a coin and shares it uh, with C. And C tosses a coin and uh, shares it with A. But when A decides to pay, A outputs not of the XOR of the two connected edges. But B and C uh, outputs the XOR of the two connected edges to them. And if you XOR all the three outputs, now the output is one. So that is kind of that is one bit information, where A uh, is uh, sending one bit information that yes, I want to pay, but it doesn't reveal that A is the one who is paying. So we can extend it for any number of users and any like for n bit messages. But you see, for one bit information, there is so many messages that are passed between A, B, and C. A is sending message to B, B is sending message to C, C is sending message to A, and they all are broadcasting one message each. So it adds a huge amount of bandwidth overhead. So DCNet can provide anonymity at the cost of high bandwidth overhead. So now the question is, we can see that either the protocol can provide anonymity, but at the cost of either latency overhead or bandwidth overhead, or the protocol is weak. It cannot provide an anonymity. So if we plot three di uh, dimensions, like uh, one dimension is for anonymity, another dimension is latency overhead, and another dimension is for bandwidth overhead, we see that mi MixNet falls into uh, those categories of protocol where it can provide anonymity, but it uh, has uh, high latency overhead. Tor falls into those kind of protocols where it has low latency overhead or low bandwidth overhead, but it is weak in terms of anonymity. And DCNet falls into those kind of protocols where it can provide anonymity as, at the cost of high bandwidth overhead. So question is, can we achieve all of the followings? All three, like low latency overhead, low bandwidth overhead, as well as high anonymity. We try to answer that question in this uh, work. But to answer that question, first we need to know what is high anonymity or how do we measure anonymity. Even what do we, when do we say some latency overhead or bandwidth overhead as low latency overhead or bandwidth overhead. For that we need to measure uh, 
latency overhead or bandwidth overhead. So let's try to understand them. First, uh, let's define anonymity. To be very specific, we are defining sender anonymity. So this is uh, like the encryption game, uh, uh, indistinguishability based game where you have a challenger, honest challenger and you have an adversary. The adversary first, uh, the adversary first uh, instructs the uh, challenger to compromise uh, some protocol parties. Then the adversary orders the users to send messages and then the, uh, advers uh, then the challenger returns the observations from the compromised parties and the network traffic to the adversary. And this can go on for polynomial number of time. And then the adversary sends the challenge to the uh, challenger. So basically the adversary picks two users, Alice and Bob, and uh, uh, says the challenger that either Alice or Bob should send a message to Charlie. And the challenger has a secret bit B. Depending on the secret bit, the, adver the challenger picks Alice or Bob. If B equals to uh, 0, then Alice sends a message to Charlie. If B is 1, then Bob sends a message to Charlie. And after the protocol is over, the challenger uh, returns all the observations to the adversary. And the adversary needs to distinguish between who has sent the message or basically guess what is the challenge bit. And the advantage of the adversary is defined the following way. We say the protocol is secure if the probability of the adversary winning is less than the probability of the adversary losing plus some buffer, delta. And we are calling delta as the advantage of the adversary. Note here, delta is not necessary to be negligible here. Delta can be any constant or any, uh, any value within from 0 to 1. But which delta is good, that's arguable. But if delta is negligible, we are calling it strong anonymity. And for this uh, presentation, we'll, we shall mainly focus on strong anonymity. Now let's uh, talk about uh, latency overhead and bandwidth overhead. In our uh, work, we, mo um, uh, we model time as communication rounds. So one party talks to other party or one, one party sends a message to other party and gets an acknowledgement or response back. That we call as one round. And if the party wants to send a message to other party, uh, another message to other party, then it has to be in the next round, not in the same round. So all the parties behave uh, in the, uh, synchronized in this with these rounds. This is an over approximation, but with uh, uh, where we don't have the concept around the basically the adversary becomes more stronger. Now we uh, define latency overhead as the number of rounds a message can be delayed by the protocol before being delivered. For example. Uh, sender S wants to send a message to recipient R. It uses four uh, nodes in between. So basically there are four additional hops. So the latency overhead is four. And we define bandwidth overhead is the number of noise messages per user per round. So basically each user are creating uh, in each round the number of noise messages created by one user. That is the bandwidth overhead. So basically it is the uh, noise message rate or dummy message rate. So for example, for uh, when S sends the message, 
there are two additional messages added uh, to the uh, same uh, node and we, we are not showing the uh, showing the all other messages so we are calling the bandwidth over is, is two because in one round itself for one user s there are two additional messages usually bandwidth overhead is a fraction basically we are trying to model this is the fraction of users that send uh, noise messages per round but it can it is not necessary to be fraction suppose all the uh, users send noise messages or all the users send more than one noise message in one round then it is not necessary to be fraction let's get back to our question so what is high anonymity for this work we mainly focus on strong anonymity and when uh, and when we say low latency overhead or low bandwidth overhead we are saying there are constant uh, number of uh, constant amount of latency overhead or constant number of messages per round so the question is uh, now uh, can we achieve this and if we cannot achieve this then what is a good trade off between latency and bandwidth overhead if we want to achieve strong anonymity those are the uh, two questions that we uh, uh, will try to answer but that's not the only things those are not the only three di dimensions that we need to look at for example suppose uh, all the users send messages in uh, together or there are high there is high density of messages then probably you don't uh, there are already so many messages you know you don't need latency overhead or you don't need bandwidth overhead so basically how the users are sending messages we are calling that user distribution and that actually is affecting the latency overhead or bandwidth overhead or the anonymity so we are we can see that's actually a fourth dimension we cannot really calculate a bound on anonymity without considering the user distribution as a parameter in our work we mainly consider uh, two user distribution one we call synchronized another we call non synchronized in case of synchronized user distribution there are n users they send messages uh, in a span of n rounds and each user send message in one in each round so basically and that permutation they decide among themselves they synchronize among themselves uh, when to send message so that in that way they are synchronized also the protocol can add additional noise messages and the amount of noise the number of uh, the users who send the noise messages is also decided by the protocol so it is kind of very ideal scenario where the we are giving so much uh, advantage to the protocol and then uh, comes the non synchronized user distribution here the protocol doesn't control anything about how the messages are sent each user has a coin in each round user uh, tosses the coin and if the coin says uh, returns true then the user sends a message if the coin returns false the user doesn't send a mess message and if the user doesn't have an actual message to send it sends the noise it sends a noise message so the protocol doesn't synchronize the noise messages as well as the user messages it's on uh, it all depends on the individual coin tosses of the users so uh, next we let's talk about what are the different kinds of adversaries that we can see mainly if we uh, look at the activities of the adversary we can divide it in uh, basically passive and active adversaries 
So passive adversary is basically it looks at the network traffic and tries to deduce who has sent the messages. But active adversary can do all sorts of funny things like uh, it can uh, create fake users and uh, send uh, messages on behalf of those users. It can uh, try to have denial of service attack and those things. But passive adversary doesn't do all those things. It will, it will just observe the traffic. In some cases, it can compromise some of the nodes, in the, some of the parties in the uh, network. But those parties behave uh, exactly as the pro protocol should behave. But what it gains, it, it can uh, basically map the input and output of those parties. So basically, that helps in the observation, nothing else. So that we are calling compromise, uh, compromising passive adversaries. And if it doesn't compromise any parties, then we are calling non-compromising uh, passive adversaries. But also, we can divide adversaries on the basis of scope. In, uh, for example, local and, glo uh, uh, local and global. Global adversary can watch over the whole internet. And local adversary is limited to a specific region or country, something like that. For our work, we are mainly going to focus on uh, global passive adversaries. The results we derive, we derive uh, for global passive adversaries. And also in our, uh, in the presentation, I will mention partially compromising adversaries. That's because uh, if you compromise all the protocol parties, then basically the anonymity is broken trivially. That's why you want uh, some subset of the protocol parties to be compromised, not all. Now, when uh, you try to prove a bound on all protocols, then you want to uh, provide a generic way of modeling all protocols at least most of the protocols, if not all. So we use uh, PetriNets to model uh, anonymous communication protocols. Here there are uh, places. The places represents protocol parties, and each place contains tokens. The tokens represents messages in the system. If one place contains 10 tokens, that means uh, the place uh, that party holds 10 messages at that point. And then transitions control uh, how, uh, the flow of the tokens. So party one should uh, next uh, f forward the all messages to party two, or these messages to party two, and some messages to party three. Those flow is uh, decided by the transitions. S represents uh, all the users. Uh, so basically, it is the it is corrective representation of all the users. Any token in S represents the messages which are about to enter the protocol, not yet entered. And P1 to PK, they are protocol, protocol parties. In this picture, I have shown the, the three parties, for just for example, but there can be K parties. and R represents the recipients. For sender anonymity case, we just need uh, one recipient, but for a general case, there can be multiple recipients. The transition TS control how messages are inserted in the network. So when some user wants to uh, send a message to the network, which party should receive it? That is controlled by the transition TS. And TPI, controls how messages flow from 
the party PI. PI has some message and messages and those messages should go next in the next round go to some other parties and that is controlled by TPI. So let's talk about uh, color tokens slightly more. We are calling them color tokens because uh, uh, in, the, in our case the tokens can hold a complex data structure. In general in patronage tokens can be simple integers but we want uh, complex information to be held in uh, the tokens. For example, uh, the message content, the uh, one unique identification number for each message, definitely not visible to the adversary, the rece uh, receiver of the message, the time remaining, sometimes the user uh, might want to specify, I want the message to be delivered within this amount of time, or that kind of uh, restriction might be there from the protocol itself. A timestamp, it is a feature of time patronate. So using this field, we are simulating the rounds and some metadata field that has some, uh, uh, you can, that is protocol specific. Next, uh, we have some assumptions on the protocol as well. For example, we assume the protocol is fully connected. So each party can uh, send message to another party if it wants. And we assume a complete reliable protocol. That means if a message enters the protocol, it should be delivered to the recipient. We don't assume any crypto attack. Uh, we don't assume uh, South channel attacks. And we assume that when the uh, challenge response game, uh, uh, when adversary runs the challenge response game, the protocol doesn't know who are the challenge users or who, which is the challenge message. The protocol treats all messages equally. Also, if we have assumptions on the protocol, we should also put restriction on the adversary as well. First thing we said, we only consider global passive adversary. So it is a network level attacker, which can observe all the links. <coughs> then we say the uh, place, uh, the recipient is compromised. So what that means, whenever the attacker, uh, the recipient receives the challenge message, the attacker can uh, know, attacker knows that this is the challenge message. But all other messages look like noise or random messages. Only in case of challenge message, the attacker knows this is the challenge message. Also, the attacker can compromise a few uh, parties restricted by uh, the uh, restricted by the protocol parameters. So, to prove our bound, uh, let's uh, let's have an uh, let's uh, let me give you a brief overview of how the technique that we general technique that we use to prove our bounds. First, we define a concrete adversary in global passive adversary class. Why? Because there are stronger adversaries than, the, than, than that con concrete adversary. And the, if our bounds hold for that adversary, it will hold for any stronger adversary. And then we identify a necessary invariant or the a constraint which is required by any protocol uh, to provide anonymity. If that uh, constraint is broken, then that any no protocol can provide anonymity. In the third strip, we provide an ideal protocol. Why, why do we say ideal? Because it is optimal in terms of satisfying the necessary invariant. So it has the highest probability to satisfy the invariant against this specific adversary. And then we calculate the bounds. So first, let's define a concrete adversary. 
So, we uh, define an uh, uh, network based adversary, so which basically observes the, all the network uh, links. I would really like to call it a simple adversary okay? because it, uh, uh, it knows when the recipient receives the challenge message and it knows when the challenge user sends any messages. It does not, uh, the adversary does not know if the messages are sent, challenge messages or any other noise message, but it knows when the messages are sent. And it tries to create uh, possible paths to the challenge users from the, uh, from the challenge users to the recipient for the challenge message. And if the, uh, the paths uh, overlap or there is a confusion uh, or there are, there are possible paths to both the, both the challenge users, then the adversary is conf confused. And in that case, the adversary returns 0 or 1 uniformly at random. But if there are no possible paths to one challenge user, then definitely it is the other challenge user who has sent the challenge message. And in that case, the adversary knows who is the challenge user and it can guess the uh, random bit correctly. So, question? Yeah. I didn't understand why did you add uh, this arrow from 4 to 2 and so, then made a claim that uh, now it becomes difficult for the adversary. Because, uh, so from uh, this purple user to the recipient, there is a possible path which, uh, for example, uh, let me, uh, first uh, user, uh, the green user sends a message to uh, node 1, then uh, the message passes on to node 2 then the message goes to node 3 and then the message goes to the recipient. Similarly, the purple user sends a message to node 4, that message goes to node 5 and then that is delivered to recipient. So, it is clearly the, like the, uh, the adversary knows the challenge message came from node 3. So, it knows the green user is the uh, challenge user. But if there is a path between uh, 4 to 2, then it, uh, the, the challenge message might be sent by the purple user because the purple user has might have sent the challenge message to node 4, then the 4 might have sent the challenge message to 2 and then 3 and then to the recipient. So, that is why the uh, adversary does not clearly know uh, who is the challenge user. Is that clear? Yeah, one more thing. Uh, do you have to have that adversary know, adversary capturing node 5? No, it's just to show that there might be compromised nodes uh, in the network. Okay, but for your analysis that you just mentioned me, it's not required, right? Yes, it's not required. Okay. If node 4 is compromised, then uh, still the adversary can clearly uh, see which is the challenge message. Because if node 4 is compromised, it can map exactly the input and output of node 4. And then it knows uh, whether uh, uh, which message went to which path. Also, we are saying the adversary is not probabilistic. So, even if the path from 1 to 1, 2, 3 is really pro highly probable and path 4 to 3 is really less probable, still the adversary does not uh, output the first path. The adversary says, I am confused. Also, note that the non-compromising adversary is a very special case of uh, partially compromising adversary. So, in case of non-compromising adversary, the number of compromised parties is 0. So, now we are going to de uh, define our necessary invariant that is really necessary to provide anonymity. 
so consider uh, this is a timeline the red line is a timeline where uh, at round r the recipient receives the challenge message so the challenge message must have been sent by the user within the rounds r minus l to r so if the other challenge user doesn't send a message within that interval then definitely he, the the adversary knows the challenge user so both the users have to send uh, or the other challenge user ha has to send at least one message within that interval but that is not enough also there are uh, compromised parties uh, so suppose uh, the challenge user sends the sends the challenge message at t0 and there are messages at t1 and t2 from the other challenge user where t1 is the earlier message so we are saying the challenge message has to pass through at least one honest node within the interval t1 to r otherwise if all the nodes are compromised within within that interval for the challenge message then the adversary at least uh, figure out that it is the challenge message is not definitely from the u1 minus b it is definitely from ub so that that con uh, concludes our necessary invariant remember it's a necessary invariant so even if this invariant is satisfied still there might be cases where anonymity is not achieved but to achieve anonymity this has to uh, be satisfied now we are going to propose our ideal protocol our ideal protocol uh, basically tries to gather all the messages together suppose uh, in uh, in round 1 whatever message it has as well as all the incoming messages that is the purple line that represents incoming messages all the incoming messages new incoming messages and whatever message it has on in the system it sends it to p1 p1 has all the message, messages in round 1 in round 2 similarly all the messages are sent to p2 and the green message represents uh, the message which has uh, which is supposed to be delivered in round 3 all the messages are uh, sent to p3 and the message that uh, are, is supposed to be delivered that is uh, that uh, goes out uh, of p3 so in this way at any point of time all the messages are, are together in in one node so basically we are trying to mimic a trusted third party but since there are compromised nodes we are trying to maximize the number of nodes in the path and we are claiming against our against our given adversary our ideal protocol satisfies the necessary invariant with probability as high as any other protocol now we uh, now i am going to um, and then we calculate the bounds for uh, uh, for different for each of the scenarios like for non compromising adversaries and uh, non compromised adversary and synchronized user distribution and for compromised adversary non synchronized distribution all those uh, combinations so for non compromising adversaries what we found for both the user distribution to achieve strong anonymity the overall cost the latency and bandwidth has to be a, a certain amount so if the latency decreases the bandwidth increases and they are basically uh, inversely proportional to each other so if the latency decrease if you want to decrease latency you have to proportionally increase the bandwidth 
if you want to decrease bandwidth you want to proportionally increase the latency so it's a basically nice parabolic graph so we also try to plot different protocols depending on their latency overhead and bandwidth overhead protocols which uh, it uh, last slide we i saw uh, i show you the parabolic graph but now it's straight line because the x axis and y axis are basically approximately in log log scale and the protocols which are below the curve in the gray area they cannot provide strong strong anonymity for example tor or hornet and the protocols which are on or above the above the curve they can provide strong anonymity for example dicemix loopix bhuvuzila uh, riposte but we are more interest we are uh, mainly uh, we are more interested in the protocols which are on the uh, curve because they are the protocols which provide strong anonymity as well as actually achieves the bounds that we derive question yes please do they provide anonymity in reality yes or can they provide anonymity because you are talking about your bounds are necessary yes they not can provide anonymity okay. and uh, for example uh, loopix or dicemix they do provide anonymity but loopix has uh, different constraints depending on that uh, it, uh, it it can provi provide strong anonymity or sometimes not but it is not necessary that they provide uh, i am not saying they do provide anonymity uh, it should be they can provide anonymity this is uh, let's skip this part this is uh, basically i'm listing down um, basically where pro protocols can provide anonymity or cannot provide anonymity for compromised adversaries we we said we mainly consider partially compromised adversaries because if all the parties are compromised then anonymity is trivially broken so we consider there are c protocol parties which are con uh, compromised among k protocol parties and we see to achieve strong anonymity the latency has to be for constant latency we cannot achieve anonymity when uh, the uh, the uh, the k the number of total number of parties and total number of compromised parties is sufficiently high also we we can see that latency and bandwidth here also have a, a uh, inversely proportional uh, relationship to achieve strong anonymity what are k and c precisely here k is the total number of protocol parties and c is the number of compromised parties and also we can see that latency and bandwidth has a inversely proportional relationship where if you want to increase the bandwidth you have uh, if you want to decrease the bandwidth overhead you have to increase the latency overhead if you want to decrease the latency overhead you have to increase the bandwidth overhead but we can see there is a additive factor with latency or you can say subtractive factor we are saying latency l minus c so c is the number of compromised parties these conditions are in addition to the con con constraint we derived for non compromised adversaries which is latency and bandwidth are inversely proportional but we don't only derive the trade off between uh, latency and bandwidth in case of strong anonymity we also derive uh, the we also derive 
adversarial advantage as uh, a function of latency overhead and bandwidth overhead. So we, with, with that derivation, we partially try to un answer that with this much latency and this much bandwidth overhead, this is the best anonymity that you can get. So, and th that's why I'm showing this uh, uh, curve. This is basically the uh, curve of adversarial advantage plotted uh, against latency overhead and bandwidth overhead. And for uh, future work, we want to derive more tighter bounds by using more sophisticated attackers. More sp uh, precisely, we want to go to the uh, cases of adv uh, active adversaries. There we have to. Uh, there we can probably get more tight uh, tight bounds. Also, we can we want to uh, derive bounds for other anonymity notions like unlinkability, relationship anonymity. Our paper actually derived uh, derives bounds for uh, uh, recipient anonymity, but I have not presented here. But we want to uh, expand that area. Also, we want to derive bounds when unreliable delivery is allowed. Suppose the protocol uh, is allowed to drop some uh, messages. Does that help in anonymity, or does that make the make anonymity worse? We want to answer that question. So, with that. I'll open the forum for questions. Are there questions? So let me start then. Uh, why did you choose PetriNet or this colored PetriNet for your system? Are you asking why did I choose colored PetriNet or did I why did I choose PetriNet? Maybe you can start with why do you choose PetriNet? Why not Turing machine, which is more generic model, for example? If you have a really generic model like Turing machine, so if the most generic model is like all the parties uh, are one Turing, each, each party is a Turing machine. But that doesn't help you deriving the bounds. So to derive the bounds, you need to go to a model which is really constrained so that you can use the properties of the model, model to derive the bounds. That is the main reason we uh, pick PetriNet. And why colored PetriNet? Like in one of the slides I mentioned that we want to capture uh, many properties of the message in the tokens. Each token represents one message. So if we just have one integer or one like uh, color, that is not enough. That's why we picked colored PetriNet. Does that answer your question?